Hello, everyone. I am your host, Jackie Lewis, your guest host today and VP of Content and Member Engagement for ARC, the Association for Retail and Consumer Professionals. And this is ARCcast. Join us each episode as we shine the spotlight on category management and shopper insights professionals doing compelling work in the trenches. So let's dive right in. I'm here today with James Jackson, Director of Strategic Sales at ARC and your ARCcast host. So James, welcome to our show sitting on the other side of the desk today. Thanks, Jackie. I appreciate it. So for our listeners, we are excited to be flipping the script. After over 2,000 downloads of our cast, we thought it would be fun to interview James, the typical host for this podcast. And just like many of you, he has a very interesting journey in category management and shopper insights, and certainly hopefully give you a lens into how he thinks and why our cast came about originally as well. So James, let's start with that uh, a little overview of your career journey. Yeah, thanks, Jackie. So um, believe it or not, I started in the car business. So I worked for Ford Motor Company. And uh, I got out of college and was moved to Minneapolis, did training in Minneapolis and in Detroit. And uh, from there, I actually got moved down to Dallas and was calling on Lincoln Mercury dealers in South Texas. And so I was peddling cars to to the dealers from a wholesale perspective. Um, Were you managing the categories within the dealerships or anything? Well, yes and no. Um, so I was on the new car sales side. So we were focused on um, obviously the sales portion of it, but also handling any um, of the, the business aspect of it, whether that's customer service, I actually had their PL oh. so I could see how they were doing and making suggestions from that standpoint. So I did South Texas. Um, I lived in Dallas. I, I flew to, um, after that territory to Phoenix and Albuquerque and, and Tucson and El Paso. Oh. And then I got moved to Chicago oh. and, uh, called on Chicago land dealers. And so I, um, I had always wanted to be more in like brand management and and food. So I made a move and and went to Pepsi-Cola. Gotcha. And at Pepsi, I was a franchise manager um, calling on franchise bottlers. So similar <laughs> to what I did with the cars, but now with, with carbonated be- beverages. Um, but I was in central Wisconsin and uh, did that for uh, a year or so and then first daughter was born and so moved um, to Minneapolis. And that was when I became a category manager. So I did category management at Super Value, their northern region in Hopkins. Um, And from that uh, role, then moved to national accounts, worked on the super target business and a couple other um, accounts as well. And, uh, And then I had kind of an entrepreneurial, I guess, tweak or, you know, spark. And uh, I left Super Value, worked for a small company called Melford, Melford Olson Honey. Mm. So I was selling honey. And then also I uh, part, was part ownership in a uh, franchise, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So if you see those blue trucks running yes. around, I was the fifth franchisee in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so um, did that for a while and then started having more kids. So needed a little better health insurance. <laughs> so yeah. went back and... Uh, and I, I work for Nielsen. I'm on their um, home scan and spectra business um, in-house at General Mills. And uh, from there, then moved to Tyson. 
And so I worked with Tyson. I was in-house at Super Value, um, did that. Um, and then um, from there went to Radiant Group, which is a kind of a boutique consulting firm. Uh, did that for 13 years, kind of working with uh, retailers and manufacturers around the country, different channels and so on. And uh, then over the past year, I've been blessed to be a part of the ARC team and am now the uh, host of ARCcast. That's great. And we are blessed to have you. So um, <laughs> that was interesting, though. I didn't know um, all of those steps in your journey. I knew some of them. So it was great to hear sort of every um, step on, along the way. It's So it sounds like the car dealership from there, you did Pepsi and that got you exposure to CPG and retail, certainly, where you stayed for most of the rest of the time. But when did you first learn, I guess, about category management specifically? Yeah, so it, it was actually with Pepsi. Okay. And so back in those days, so that was like the late 90s, um, category management was just coming about. And we were kind of, as always, Pepsi and Coke are at yeah. war with each other. But that was actually when Pepsi owned the restaurants. So they owned Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and KFC. And so um, Coke would use the ownership of those restaurants as a competitive advantage. They would tell restaurant owners, why would you ever use Pepsi when they're your competitor right down the street? Mm. So financially, Coke had a lot of money. They also had a lot of money from international because they're, they, they're, they have a lot more market share internationally. So they would buy shelf space. And so when we tried to compete with them in central Wisconsin, and central Wisconsin is like the land of Mountain Dew. Okay. So people used to say that you could bathe in Mountain Dew in, in Sheboygan because they drank so That's much hilarious. of it. <laughs> so we would try, we would try to go to a C store and, um, we would try to get what was called a green door. We would try to have the whole door of Mountain Dew wow. because the, the fair share would say that you could do that. Mm -hmm. um, but we couldn't get it because Coke had so much money. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started first hearing about category management as Pepsi tried to accomplish that fair share. And it's funny because Frank on one of our previous episodes mm -hmm. talked about it from the Coke side of things yeah. and would never have known that Coke was thinking category management, but it was just this war with money. Yeah. And that's really when it became more strategic in nature. Were you both at the competing companies at the same time? I don't recall if you overlapped. Not in the same market, but we went through the same steps and we learned category management about the same time with the same people. So funny. Wow. Yeah. Small industry yeah. that we're in. Yeah. Um, so what is what would you describe as kind of your approach to category management or how do you um, how do you describe it to others? Certainly, given that you've been with it kind of since its inception and its evolution over 30 years or so. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's the process. So everybody kind of used that, uses that. But, um, I think it comes from my spectra days because that was really, really focused on the consumer. I always start with the consumer. I, I try to learn everything I can about the consumer or the shopper, you know, how they think, what their, their lifestyle looks like, where they shop, what are they? I mean, even some of the psychographic 
things that they might be interested in. Um, so I really try to understand that consumer and what they're trying to accomplish. As I, and I've said this in the office, but, you know, category management is all about the right product at the right time at the right place. Right. And so you have to understand that consumer in order to be able to identify what those, those trigger points are. Um, so that, that's number one. The second thing, and, and I use this all the time, is I say the market tells you what you need to know. So if you look at data, the market is trying to tell you something. If you're up, you're down, you know, how, how much people are promoting what the market is giving you indications of what you need to do or what is happening. And so you have to listen to the market. If you try to do something against the market, it will continue to tell you what you need to know. And then the final thing for me is, um, and, and because of my work with Radian and strategy, um, and, and they really taught me this, um, is that strategy without execution is just paper. So it's literally just a presentation. But if you, until you execute it. So we at Radian focus not only on the consulting and a strategic standpoint, but it's how do you have that sell through and how do you monitor to make sure, um, that, that things are getting done. And I had a, uh, uh, a VP when I was at Super Value, Kevin Shiplett, and he used to always say, what gets measured gets done. And so that was something that I've taken away from, from all my experiences is probably those four things. That's great. And yeah, otherwise you, you won't, you don't have any insurance that you've gotten it done, much less be able to measure it, to use it, to make better decisions. So, but I love, I guess you started with like the shopper and the consumer and grounding the process of category management in that. And, you know, the process has evolved over time. Like Catman 1.0 didn't necessarily have the shopper at the very beginning. And in all fairness, it was probably because there was not a lot of um, good data to sort of support insights on the broad shopper, right? You might have anecdotal stuff or your own store, um, but be able to make data-driven decisions around the shopper has gotten easier as time has gone on, supported by software technology data. Um, but the process now, and as we've gone through some of the training courses together and um, have brought you up to speed on Catman 3.0, the most updated version of the process, it's just great to hear that we put shoppers and, and the insights at the very front end, because again, it's you, someone in the business for a long time, are speaking to that um, just freely without even connecting to the formal process, which is great. Yeah, I, I would tell you that um, Insights Immersion, that first course, when I saw that that was coming in, it was like, yes, because um, a lot of times in category management, it's easy to just do the same thing over and over again. And if you do that, you forget the consumer. And so having that first and foremost in the process and that whole cycle and keep you know, checking in on your consumer and making sure that you know how, what, what they need, what they're looking for is essential, you know, in my approach and I think in any approach. But yeah, even in long established categories that have always, always been shopped the same, those sometimes can be blurring or shifting right under your nose, right? So um, it may have stayed the same assortment and the same price and the same value prop for a very long time. But when the shopper wants it to change and wants something new, you want to be the first to kind of uncover that. So um, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. So you've had so many experiences with different companies, markets, channels. I know you've touched on a few already. Um, but how have how have some of the others shaped you? Like your role at Tyson and Super Value, Nielsen. I mean, you've been on every side of the desk here, from the data solution provider to supplier, manufacturer to retailer. So um, anything else you can add on that? Yeah. So um, I, I and I said it before, but I, I am truly blessed because I have seen and done so much. Um, you know, and what it allows me to do is really relate to people in the business. So if they bring something up, it's like, oh, I remember, yeah, or oh, I heard about, or yeah, I was in the thick of it. Um, and, and I, I just want to kind of share, you know, because I have seen a lot of things. So, you know, category management was fairly new when I started learning about it. So I was trained by Dr. Brian Harris with the partnering group. At Northern Region, Super Value, that group um, from a wholesale perspective with, you know, Leland Dake and, and Mike Terpkosh and Brian Audette and that whole team, I was a part of that. So I, I got to see it and, and we were in some ways pioneers of that. Um, and then, you know, I actually was a part of national counts, as I mentioned before. So I, I was a part of Super Target rolling out nationally. I had grocery frozen and dairy, and I put in the first store in Lafayette, the first store in Grand Forks, the first store in Minneapolis, um, using a Telzon because there were so many out of stocks. So, you know, I looked at that. Um, I, I worked with some of the first online grocers. So well before Amazon and, and so on, there was Webvan and Home Grocer. I was the point of contact from Super Value supplying those two as they started rolling out. Um, we did Catman in uh, food service. So down at Cisco in Houston, as, as food service rolled out, I had a team down in Houston with that. In-house with Super Value, the merger with Albertsons and then the split. I was in there when they were putting the floors down at EVIC in, in Minneapolis. And then obviously what we've experienced with COVID and all the change, changes that have happened. So um, I've done Fresh. I've done Center Store. I've done GMHBC. I've done food service. I've done online. So um, I really believe that the reason why when I talk to people on ArtCast, it's easy to talk to them is because I've, I've experienced what they've gone through. And that's really the impetus for why ArtCast exists. Yeah, I was going to poke on that a little bit more because I it was resonating with me as you were describing like, oh, this was the point of ArtCast or this is why you, you know, it was kind of a passion project. So let's just maybe another like minute or so just on how ArtCast came to be and, you know, why you are so passionate about it and what you've maybe learned so far now that we're 16 episodes in, I think, and 2000 <laughs> downloads, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously I'm a category manager at heart yeah. um, and I have that shopper insights lens from Spectra and so on. Um, but 13 years in consulting and actually working with people. And that's, that's where the title in the trenches came in. I, I always felt like people were in the trenches doing battle day in and day out, having to pull the lever, trying to figure out what to do. How do I, you know, change my, my promotional activity? How do I go from, you know, high low to buck 99 every day? Um, so there's a lot that happens that people are never, or maybe not recognized for. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of stories out there. And so when mm -hmm. I came to, to ARC, um, 
the first question I asked, I think, you know, to Emily was, do you guys have a podcast? And it was, I don't know why I asked, but I did. <laughs> and that's how I became the host. But I, I think, you know, there are stories and there are a lot, there's a lot of richness in the industry. And you think about it, not only are there people behind the scenes, but we're serving people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if you think of it that way, um, you know, it, it just, I think, allows us to have a really relatable, fun conversation that people can resonate with. The other thing is that I remember being in a client's office by myself. And there's a lot of other people that are on site by themselves or there's a category manager at a retailer that doesn't know what to do, but they don't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. And so the other idea was how to, how does Arcast kind of support people and and let people know that they're not alone and that there's other people dealing with the same things, having the same challenges. That's great. That's great. I love that. Um, let's think of, talk about, is there one um, big mistake that you made throughout <laughs> your long career that you could point to as sort of a defining career, defining moment, learning moment, et cetera? Good question. So, um, and I think everybody has one of these. Yeah. But um, when I was first learning category management, I handled shelf-stable juice. And so in the Hopkins um, office, there was a planogram test room. So you had shelving in there and what have you. So I had all the brokers come in, all the uh, category captain come in and all that had all the product shopped, uh, shipped in. And, uh, and so we started setting a 36 foot um, gondola Mm -hmm. and never thought about the fact that you should start from the bottom to the top. Mm. So we started laying the shelf from the top to the bottom. And I happened to go to my office, which was down the hall, and you could just hear this screeching, prying noise. And the whole gondola ripped off the wall, and all of the juice fell on the (gasps) ground and exploded all over the floor. So I had 36, like three or four shelves, 36 feet worth of juice all on the floor. I was going to say, juice is heavy. So. <laughs> yeah, didn't even think about it. So obviously, the, the the office reeked for a couple days. Yeah. We had a lot of cleanup. But yeah. it was just one of those moments where, you know, obviously totally embarrassed, totally, oh, my mm-hmm. God. But, you know, it, it, it's those scars that you have yeah. that that you never forget. And mm-hmm. it it's something you could share because other people say, oh, I, I've done something like that. Yeah. And so it, it that's probably the one thing I always tell people that that I experience and, and yeah. people kind of look at horror and then they shake their head and say, yep, I get it. And yeah. it could be a worse smelling product. Like juice <laughs> is not that bad. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. It could have been milk. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other options. <laughs> um, great. Well, we've been in the trenches for a little while now. So let's come up for air and cover some fun stuff. Finally, coming up for air. Talk a little about your family and your kids and all the ladies in your household. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, now I have two dogs that are uh, that are boys, so at least oh, I'm not the only one. Good. But um, yeah, you're balancing yeah. it out. <laughs> Married to my lovely wife, my partner, my my best bud um, for almost yeah. thirty years. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I met her in Minneapolis and then she's followed me around the country and I wouldn't be where I am today if she hadn't allowed me to do that because mm-hmm. I was on the road a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I have three beautiful girls. Um, one, uh, Renee, she's 25. She's out in New York, married. Um, I have a 23-year-old, Jasmine. She's in San Francisco. And then I have one left at home, uh, Julia, and she is going to be a sophomore in high school. Great. Great. I love it. I love it. Any marital advice being married for 30 years? What's your secret? <laughs> the secret <laughs> is to... Be patient. Yeah. Always think long term. Okay. And um, yeah, just be thankful for every moment because every moment is not going to be perfect. <laughs> but um, knowing from a long term perspective that you know you, you made a commitment, you're you're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. When things go down, you just know you're going to get back up. And get through it together. Yeah, yeah. Do it together. It's when you're low, she's high. When she's <laughs> high, you're low. And just understanding that. I love that. I love that. That's great. Um, well, any final thoughts today before we get you back in the host chair? And I'm off the hook. <laughs> this, this felt a little different, but fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, and, and I've kind of sprinkled this throughout the, the conversation. Um, and, and really, again, the reason for our cast is that Category management, a lot of times we talk about it and it's about the data and it's about planograms and it's about strategy and all of that. But to me, at the end of the day, it's about the people. None of that happens unless there's people. And then the other side of it is never forget who you serve. And so even like if you look at your Nielsen data, I used to always say, well, there's behavior behind that. There's people behind that. What are they trying to accomplish? Why did they not, why did they not accept the offering that we put out there? Why did they make that change? So, you know, and we've heard a lot of wonderful, wonderful stories throughout um, the different episodes, storytelling being one that really resonates with a lot of people. Um, but at the end of the day, and we said data is human, in the, humans in disguise was one of our episodes. And it's true, yeah. Yeah. is that it is truly, truly, truly about the people that we serve and the, about the people that are doing this day in and day out. Love that. Love that. You have just listened to another fantastic episode of ArtCast. Please look forward to more interesting people just like James, interviewed by James, in the weeks to come. And please don't forget to share ArtCast with all of your colleagues as well. If you have any feedback, topic suggestions, or guest recommendations, please go to www.catman.global ArtCast. Just go ahead and scroll down to the bottom of the page and complete the form, and one of us will get back to you as soon as we can. With that, this is Jackie Lewis of ARC signing off, and you've been with us in the trenches. Have a great day.